The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What's going on, folks? Welcome to episode 20 of the Fretzelmania podcast, Firefly Beef House. I'm Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast can be heard on Wrestle Addict Radio, The Cure, for the common wrestling podcast across all common listening platforms. Today is a loaded show. I'll be talking a little bit about Fastlane, Limitless Wrestling's Double Vision, the simulcast Raw, where Vince McMahon purchases WCW, and as a bonus for... For you listeners, I will be attaching the wrestling half of this month's 20 Bell Salute to the end of this week's podcast. On Sunday the 28th, Patreons, you get the whole show where I go over the pop culture and the wrestling. My review of WrestleMania X7 will be following this event, so you get a big, loaded show. Stay tuned, friends. A bit of a uh, a bit of a heads up, a potential programming note. Now, as you all know, the WWE Network is moving over to Peacock, and you'd think it would not affect a Canadian like me. However, in Canada, in order to even access the WWE Network website and catalog, you need a cable provider. Something I've never had the luxury of having. Uh, you know, my landlord only has, you know, basic cable for us. So I've been relying on streams and other things to watch my wrestling for almost a decade now. So when I signed up for the network, I think maybe a year or two ago now, I managed to get into it through a VPN. Side note, kids, don't ever waste your money on those. They're dog shit. Uh, and I made a fake U.S. address. So I made my address to be in Beverly Hills, California, because it's the only zip code I know off by heart, 90210. I'm old. So now that Peacock's getting a thing, my account will be null and void as of the 4th. However, I might have a backup plan, and it's not a VPN. It could be through someone's cable. So... I'm giving you a just-in-case thing here that after the 3rd of April, I might be uh, not doing so much retro Raw reviews. Unless I can find a fix through it, maybe by the time you hear this show, I'll have already had my solution. Because I'm recording this on Monday night following Monday Night Raw, and I'm not going to review that although we had a few matches made official now anyways Fastlane was this past Sunday night from the Thunderdome and you know I'm gonna be real here I didn't really enjoy the show I wasn't paying too much attention to it although there was a couple of really good matches during this I think it was just inconsequential and 
almost unnecessary. And it's the last show that was on the WWE Network proper because WrestleMania is going to be streaming exclusively on Peacock. And yeah, they could have saved that for after Mania, but that's just me. Uh, the pre-show match here had Riddle and Mustafa Ali. Retribution was at ringside because, of course. And then Riddle managed to win this match with a second rope Bro Derek, or Brett's rope, if you will, OSW Review. After the match, uh, Ali is just giving out. He is complaining. He is shouting at all the members of, Re of Retribution. And one by one, they all walk off. So... Hopefully, this stable is done. They had a good premise, but they didn't have an end game with it. And it just ended up flopping so hard. I thought it could have had potential, but eventually it was just... It was done. Women's tag team match. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against Bianca and Sasha. You know, WrestleMania opponents tagging up and trying to go for the women's tag titles. Kind of pointless, but I get it. You know, it had something to do with Reginald, but Reginald was fired from from Carmella, and now Nia Jax has a thing for him, and he's helping them. I I, I don't know, man. I don't know. But they, they put on a really good match. Like, Belair hit a 450 splash. Reginald jumps in for the distraction, and eventually you get the champs retaining. And some tension building here between Banks and Belair, and it's about freaking time because they've just been buddy buddies, but like, oh yeah, I won the Rumble. I'm going after your title, but I kind of like you. Now it's just, it was it was a big old nope. Big E versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental title. Of course, Apollo recently starting his new uh, gimmick where he's playing up his, his African heritage. And where the hell did that accent come from? That phony, fake, like, movie star accent? Nah, man. Nah. You can do without it. I mean, Kofi Kingston was better at being a fake Jamaican than Apollo is at being an actual uh, African. I, f I forget which country in Africa it is. I'm, I'm going to say the wrong one and get people mad at me, so I'm just going to find out what it is here quickly. Nigeria. I almost said Ethiopia, but it is Nigeria playing up his, his heritage here. And he got some charisma from it. He's got a great gimmick here now. It's It reminds me a little bit of, uh, of maybe Killmonger from uh, Black Panther because of the soldiers that he came out with on SmackDown. It was kind of cool. This match had a great start. The finish, however, was I don't know what exactly happened. Frankly, I was on my phone just scrolling through shit during a couple of these matches. I think I might, I might have even been texting my mom throughout this whole thing. And then there was a reversal and a pin. And then all of a sudden I hear the matches over. I look up. It's like, did, did Apollo win the title? Okay, get in. There's no music or nothing playing, but they allude to Big E retaining. Uh, that had to be a botch. And then afterwards, Apollo hit a bunch of angle slams 
on Big E. So we're we're getting this. And speaking of another match I scrolled through my phone during, Braun Strowman versus Elias. We're supposed to get Braun versus Shane, but Shane faked a, a leg injury. You know, we saw that pay off on, on Raw tonight. Because they're saving their match for WrestleMania, and that was just made official tonight. Uh, don't know what kind of match they're going to get, but Shane McMahon is probably going to sail off that pirate ship and die or something. Yeah, as much as I love Elias, still to this day, Elias remains one of my favorites after... How how long has Elias been my favorite? Maybe two or three years now? Uh, it's just... I, I, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done with Elias, but... Yeah, Braun Strowman just absolutely obliterates him because Shane comes out to sing with Elias and is like, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, you're wrestling him tonight, not me, bye. Just frigs off and we get the renewal of their feud from like 2018, which was actually entertaining. Braun Strowman in a giant cello. That was funny shit. But this match sucked. It, man, Braun Strowman could be doing so much better, but nah. Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. Here we go. Finally, something I could absolutely sink my teeth into. This was a Ring of Honor, strong style, New Japan style match. Both of these are among the, the best wrestlers in, in the company. You know, Seth Rollins tried to do his own version of the Cesaro swing because, you know, they're going to be feuding and having a match. But no, Nakamura was going to end things with a Kinsasha, but Seth Rollins countered with an elbow to the back of the neck, followed by that springboard knee to the back of the neck finisher he used when he was in the shield. And then the curb stomp, and you know, there we go. Seth Rollins, he's no longer like the Monday Night Messiah. He's not doing the Friday Night Messiah He's still doing like a delusional, uh, not cult leader quite like gimmick, but something like that. But he's back to using it, the burn it down theme, which I think is a banger. But I also loved his uh, Messiah theme as well. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, no holds barred match. Just two meaty men taking meaty slaps out of each other. You know, kind of like the, the match that I got to sponsor at at Limitless Wrestling, taking lumps out of each other. You know, these two, they end up in the in the crowd, in parentheses here, in the Thunderdome crowd with all the monitors and stuff, and Sheamus gets pushed off of them, and, you know, a bunch of sparks fly. There's a Future Shock DDT on the, I think it was on a piece of the table, and the Claymore kick, and Drew McIntyre wins. This this is one of the reasons that I wasn't looking forward to Fastlane is because they had this match. But then before that match was booked, they announced that Drew McIntyre is the number one contender and be facing Lashley for the title at Mania. You could have put stakes or something on this match. Like, I don't get it. But it was a damn good match. It was a damn fine match here. And then next up, we had Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. Now, a lot of people have opinions about about this and about Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt in general and this feud in general. I love it. It's some B-level 
horror movie stuff. And it's silly bollocks. And that is what wrestling is supposed to be. I know we have some purists out there. You have your your Cornettes and the people that like him. I don't hate Jim Cornette, but you know I'll disagree with a lot of his takes. Uh, but there, there's some people that uh, cover wrestling whom I respect deeply who ranted about this and said that this was you know terrible. This isn't wrestling and all that. I'll disagree. I'm not going to come down on them too hard because they're they're good people. But eh, anyways, this this was awesome. And wrestling is subjective. I mean, opinions are subjective. And the sooner we learn to get along with subjective things, the better. Anyways, uh, this match really didn't get started. Alexa Bliss just basically turned into a Mortal Kombat character with all her fireballs and and magic tricks and all that. As soon as Randy got in the ring, he started, you know, bringing up the Venom again. And Alexa Bliss moves out of the way. And there's the one funniest spot in the whole match. Uh, apparently, Alexa Bliss can uh, do telekinesis because they're walking around ringside. Randy's chasing and just... Randy almost misses getting smoked right in the head with one of the light fixtures. Uh, that was great. And then in the ring, uh, Bliss was taunting Orton and we see a hand come up from hell. Come out through the middle, through under the ring, grabs Randy by the ankle, comes up, and it's an extra crispy fiend. Uh, yeah, you know, the fiend is back. The fiend is right out of, like, Jason Goes to Hell. Right out of one of the Friday the 13th movies here. Jason, uh, gosh. Uh, J Jason, no, boom! The fiend, take that, and it's in comes back all crispy and charred and burnt and it's basically like you know Kane and the dead man undertaker like i buried you alive and randy orton can't believe what he sees he gets pushed into the fiend by alexa sister abigail and alexa bliss covers randy orton in a cowgirl position uh that was unexpected and interesting and kinky and yeah, Alexa Bliss pins Randy Orton. And yeah, ask Randy's wife uh, how much she liked that uh, provocative pin. And, you know, it's just been made official that we're getting The Fiend versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania uh, based on some of the things that we've seen on Monday Night Raw and what led to this feud. I wouldn't be surprised if we get, like, a funky match, like a firefly inferno match or even the firefly funhouse match again i don't think we're gonna see that match because frankly i think that match was built for covid but and man if only if if only they go back through randy's past and bring up like here's his debut against hardcore holly here's good lord if they reference like the poop in the bag thing or his brushes with the wellness policy or the cigarette thing or or the stupid thing they could really go a lot of places with it but yeah that was fun and in the main event and this really short pay-per-view roman reigns retains the world title universal title against daniel bryan fantastic match here edge was the 
enforcer on on ringside here. We all knew that this was going to have a ref bump and Edge would come in and take the and take the pin. But uh, Daniel Bryan hits a running knee on the referee. Eventually, uh, Edge comes in the ring to you know be the ref, if you will. And he gets accidentally taken out by a running knee by Daniel Bryan himself. And then Daniel Bryan has the yes lock locked in on Roman Reigns for seemingly an eternity. And Roman kind of visually tapped out. And then, of course, Edge hits them both with the chair. We have an apparent no contest. And we're getting a triple threat at WrestleMania. I think by the time you hear this, SmackDown will have aired... And, uh, yeah, triple threat. I don't hate it, but I don't like it. I think it's unnecessary and overbooked. But it's going to result in Roman Reigns retaining here and having a good, long title run. And I I have to say, uh, also, last week on AEW Dynamite, the main event, the lights-out unsanctioned match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was absolutely amazing. One of the best women's matches I've seen in a long time. You know, we've had this unsanctioned lights-out match before, and that was with Moxley and Omega. And then they put on a couple of other really good matches, so... If this is a feud that we're going to see in the future, more of Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, yes, please. I mean, we had the thumbtacks. We had the Death Valley bombs off the top rope through a ladder. We saw the chairs and the tables. It was everything. These two ladies just bled out like crazy and put on one of the best matches of the year so far. It is definitely made my list. Uh, I've been keeping a list of the best matches of the year on my computer. It's on there. You know, NXT is setting up stuff for Stand and Deliver. Uh, the feud between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly is getting even more personal where they've been arrested. And this week on NXT, William Regal is promising consequences, retribution, not that kind, for for the two. Maybe leading to something at NXT Stand and Deliver, which is a two-event night. I hope I get my network stuff worked up by then so I can watch this or just watch it on WatchWrestling.com like everyone else. And now on to Limitless Wrestling's Double Vision was this past uh, Friday the 19th. You know, we've been plugging it and plugging it and talking about it for about a month now. And it came and went. You know, we had several podcasts, including ones found on Russell Attic Radio, were sponsoring matches on this show. Now, Limitless Wrestling, a uh, indie promotion, uh, they are out of Maine. They, uh, I think, they reached out to Ricky, and that's you know that's how this uh, this whole sponsorship thing was done, and it was. A very good show. You know, I haven't seen an indie wrestling show in a very, very long time. 
you know, because I, I would usually watch WWE, you know, TNA, ROH, New Japan. I think the last actual indie indie show I watched was the one that was in my hometown of Cannington, Ontario, Canada on Canada Day in 2000. You know, this was a house show from the now defunct Apocalypse Wrestling Federation out of Toronto, Canada. You know, it had Jason Sensation, you know, the guy that dressed up like Owen Hart was the host of the show. Gilberg was a referee. And let's see, it had Kazarni when he was starting out in his career when he was known as Sin. And that's probably the only notable name that was on that that whole show because no one else on there really made it. So Limitless was very good. We saw a pre-show match here that took place just before the event started streaming. I didn't get to watch the show live. You know, I was working until about 9.30. So I got home during the main event. But of course, after the main event ended, I was able to start the stream right from over and enjoy. We had the main attraction challenge with you-know-who-it-is, Mac Daniels, accompanied by John Elba, who is an absolute delight. Uh, I was listening to him and, uh, I forget the gentleman's first name, but Carver, on the Limitless Wrestling podcast, which was previewing this very show. And John Elba was just, just a shit heel, just a disturber. And actually on the Limitless podcast, he was talk. I don't know what exactly he was talking about, but he got to talking about Van Halen. And it's like, it's like, you know, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. You know, he talks about how much better Sammy Hagar is than David Lee Roth. And I absolutely agree with him. You know, David, he's saying, you know, David Lee Roth is, you know, he's a showman. You know, eventually over time, his singing voice went. And I was very close to going to a Van Halen concert in like 2014, during which what turned out to be their farewell tour. And Roth wasn't it wasn't uh, any good, apparently. And I'm glad I didn't get to go to that <laughs> to um, that show. But also, I kind of wish I did. He said, you know, Sammy Hagar, they were tighter as a unit. And Sammy, who still today can sing, like, I follow all of his stuff on Facebook and social media. Sammy Hagar and the Circle can still go. I mean, Mike Anthony, the former bassist for Van Halen, is with him. And man, they're good. So Alba here, I think he's a commentator or like a, a broadcaster. He came out as Mac Daniels' manager. And Mac Daniels had an open challenge here, the main attraction challenge, if you will. And it was answered by Love Doug. I can't quite describe what Love Doug is, but it's it's kind of a flamboyant gimmick, if if that's the right word to use. But eventually, you know, Mac Daniels would get the win here, and John Elba, man, I, I'm gonna have to listen to this week's Limitless Pod because he he's not gonna shut up about this, and I <laughs> I tweeted at him saying, you know, this guy needs more mic time and Carver, like the I think he's the gentleman who was the ring announcer and the backstage interviewer. Big time multitasker there. I gotta give him a lot of credit. And he was just like, ugh. Yeah. 
This is funny. So the opening match was sponsored by Zach, the Young Lions Perspective. And it was Myron Reed versus Alec Price. You know, Myron Reed is someone who has been through MLW and has been uh, very familiar to a good portion of the American indie audience. Honestly, there's not too many names on this card that I am overly familiar with, but after watching them, I might want to become a little bit more familiar because this was good. Myron Reed and Alec Price had a fantastic back and forth match here. All, you know, the finishers and the finisher reversals. And a lot of people thought, myself included, you know, Myron Reed was going to have this in the bag, but Alec Price with a roll up. And it surprised Reed here. You know, Price got the win. Great match. I made a note to write down a couple of the songs that were featured here. They're, they're of course, on on Spotify. But uh, Cash Flow, Fine Wine. I think it has something to do with this next person's entrance theme. We have a three-way dance. I believe this was sponsored by... Fogbreaker. No, it's it's Our House Pod. There it is. Uh, I'm sorry. It was sponsored by the It's Our House Podcast. Charles Mason, The Root of All Evil versus Ken Cashflow Broadway and Kevin Blackwood. You know, Kevin Blackwood is someone who has been out of the wrestling picture for a bit. The man who calls himself the self-made savage has had a five-year absence from the ring and won this match. Charles Mason, you know, he reminds me a little bit of of a younger, short hair Pete Dunne. He calls himself the root of all evil, and he's got, like, a, a money gimmick, like a rich, evil miser. It's like, if Ted DiBiase was, like, Hans Gruber, that's, that's the kind of uh, vibe I got from Charles Mason. And I'm a fan of him now, so... Throughout this whole match here, Blackwood wins with a modified STF, but Mason is on the apron at the ringside, smiling, flipping the bird, and that's when uh, Broadway tapped out. And they all have interviews backstage afterwards, and it's like, hey, Blackwood, I ain't mad at you, but you know, it's he's going to have a uh, match with Mason here, it seems. Marie Shadows presents Ashley Vox, the real catch, going up against Becca, the leader of the scrunchy squad. <laughs> okay, once I heard Hooked on a Feeling, and her name is the real R-E-E-L catch. Okay, you're cool. And Ashley Vox was recently on an episode of AEW Dark. So congrats to her and all power to her. And Becca is someone who I can only describe as a even more obnoxious babyface Bailey, hugger Bailey, but as a heel who had scrunchies and all that and used them in the match as her gimmick. Like she did like a arm trap with the scrunchie to kind of like, you know, like the Chinese finger trap deal, but with a, a scrunchie, then hits a wheel kick through that. And and Ashley Vox had the the real catch submission move, which is basically like a fish hook right in the inside of the cheek. Like that's an even more 
hurtful ver looking version of the mandible claw without the you know the choking and through that uh a distraction scrunchie in the hair and becca gets the win <laughs> this was hilarious like okay becca reminds me a lot of those um not the mean girls i still have to see that movie by the way but they're really bubbly airhead kind of obnoxious obnoxious popular girls from high school coming up next was the match that was sponsored by yours truly the fretzelmania podcast and when they announced my podcast did it get a pop i don't know all the podcasts got pops here so the fretzelmania podcast presents big beef gnarls garvin against tyree taylor this is the hoss fight this is a big meaty men slapping meat like Tyree goes for a moonsault and they miss. Uh, the reinforced ring gimmick is is brought up here. Uh, there's a superplex. Uh, Big Beef does a top rope superfly splash, and in one vicious looking spot, uh, Tyree is running to uh, to Big Beef who's in the corner. Big Beef kind of tucks him out, ducks him out, and doesn't overhead belly to belly suplex in the into the bottom two turnbuckles whole shnikes that looked like it hurt and then big beef won while tyree taylor was in the 619 position instead of doing the flipping drop kick thing that i thought he was gonna do big beef just up and splashes him right in the back that's apparently called the beefy bomb and a one two three and uh, Gnarls Garvin here is looking to be the number one big man in America from Champions Trailer Park in Louisville, Kentucky. And as soon as I heard the whole trailer trash gimmick, he was coming out, flipping everyone the bird. And when I heard the name Big Beef, I'm like, I love this guy. Uh, I am surrounded by trailer parks. You know, I am not in like a redneck area, but I'm in a small town and unincorporated land in... Uh, in Ontario, Canada, right along Lake Huron. But these trailer parks are where the, where the city people live during the summer. So it's not quite Sunnyvale, but you'll 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 get that kind of vibe sometimes. There's like 3 all within a a kilometer of my house. It's <laughs> it's really funny. And afterwards, uh Tyree Taylor was kind of heartbroken here. And he's saying that, you know, he's been too nice. And he kind of snaps and he pushes down uh, Carver, the backstage reporter here. And when Carver was interviewing uh, Becca following her match with, with Vox, it was so funny. Like, she was putting up his curly hair in a scrunchie. And then actually Vox is like, okay, me and someone's going to have a tag team match with you. And who's in Scrunchy Squad? Give me a name. It's like nobody's in scrunchy squad nobody likes scrunchies I'm like yeah they used to like scrunchies like when i was in high school in 1999 but man, that was fun yeah that that big beef tyree taylor was one of my favorite matches of the night not just because i sponsored it but because it was just so damn entertaining you know there's a lot of beef in there pal and frog next the fog breaker studios presents rob killjoy of the ugly ducklings love that stable name going up against rip bison another big 
big lad who kind of reminds me of Rampage Brown from NXT UK. And throughout this match here, uh, Killjoy, Ugly Ducklings, says, let's get dangerous while setting up a move. Darkwing Duck, when there's trouble, you'll call DW. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that again. So freaking good. And Killjoy here was getting lumps taken out of him, and he was not quitting. A doctor bomb, a bison hern canrana by a big lad like him, a freaking burning hammer didn't put him away. And finally, Stan Hansen Lariat, clothesline from hell, and rip bison wins. Former friends, now bitter enemies. The How to Fall podcast presents Ava Everett and Devine, uh, a former tag team here. And it looks like Devine was going to get this one in the bag but Ava Everett just the uh the sneaky heel that she is and the vicious heel that she is locked in a submission and won the match and speaking of tag team wrestling a three-way a triple threat tag team match presented by again the how to fall podcast and fog breaker studios the competition versus the kids versus the main street posse now the competition they have uh this basketball douchey jock gimmick the kids came out to can't stop by the red hot chili peppers so i was already on that until i saw the main street posse they they, they were just so entertaining and very over with the main faithful but the competition here steal the win and in the main event Christian Casanova and and Danny Garcia for the Limitless Wrestling Championship, which was presented by the Kings of the Rings podcast, was full of false finishes, full of finishers. One of them was called the Dirty Diana. (laughs) And a couple of spots where I thought Casanova was going to pull an August Gray and leave the company with the title, but... Garcia was having none of it, and he was wanting business done proper. So he locks in a sleeper hold, like a coquina clutch kind of sleeper, on Casanova for an eternity. Casanova passes out. Garcia wins the title. And Casanova gets his proper send-off from the faithful in Maine. That's going to be it for this half of the podcast. When I come back, the simulcast raw from 2001. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Fretzelmania, folks. It is now time to talk about Monday Night Raw from March 26, 2001. This is the simulcast. This is the final episode of Monday Nitro and a historic episode of Monday Night Raw. Vince McMahon has purchased WCW. I now own my own competition, Vince McMahon says. But first, we must talk about Nitro one final time. The final Monday Nitro from Panama City Beach, Florida on March 26, 2001 was dubbed 
Night of Champions, as most of the titles in WCW were on the line during this show. Vince McMahon was featured in the opening of both shows, the whole I now own my own competition, the fate, the very fate of WCW is in my hands. So we have Booker T winning the WCW title against Scott Steiner, at the same time retaining his United States Championship. Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman defeated Shannon Moore and Evan Courageous and Kaz Hayashi and Jimmy Yang to get a Cruiserweight Tag Team title match later in the show. Cruiserweight Champion Sugar Shane Helms defeated Chavo Guerrero Jr., to retain the title with the Vertebreaker. Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo defeated Lance Storm and Mike Awesome to retain the Tag Team Championships. Sean Stasiak defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. And Rey Mysterio Jr. and Billy Kidman defeated Cruiserweight Tag Team Champions Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo to win the titles. Sting defeated Ric Flair in the main event. One more time, the classic rivalry would be featured on, on Nitro. Now, longtime listeners of, of Wrestle Attic Radio and Mr. Fretz, uh, when he was part of the Game Changer podcast, remember that Nate and I actually reviewed this show, I believe around this time, last year game-changing episodes of television so you can go back to that one if you want to learn more about the simulcast but now i'll be talking about the monday night raw side of things so of course vince mcmahon opens the show with that same promo and right away monday night raw starts with kurt angle coming to the ring making a challenge for a wrestlemania match we are one week away from WrestleMania X7. Again, reminder, programming note, you are going to hear my review of it at the tail end of this show. So WrestleMania is going to be pretty long this week. So I hope you are uh, working a late shift and you'll be able to catch that one, Jermaine. Keep your ears open, brother. You're in for, for a mediocre one. So, angles on the mic. I don't have a match at Mania. And neither does the next person who comes out to the ring. Chris Benoit, wearing that WrestleMania X7 baseball jersey that I want ever so badly. It would look good near my uh, Roberto Alomar Blue Jays jersey. Kurt Angle is whining like the freaking gobbledygooker has a match at WrestleMania. And I don't. I am a former Intercontinental, European, and WWE champion. I'm the best wrestler in the WWE. Here comes Benoit. He's like, I have good news and bad news. And they are both, I don't have a match at WrestleMania either. And I can make you tap. And right after that, he did. Well, unofficially, if you will. Uh, Benoit locks in the crossface on on angle in the middle of the ring. And he taps, gets the visual tap here. Uh, backstage, uh, Vince and Trish are on the phone, and they see totally buffed Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell on the TV. And Vince McMahon says, "Well, 
The Lex Express is out of gas and Buff is stuffed. And he's uh, making a match uh, with the Brothers of Destruction going up against The Rock and Steve Austin on the main event of Raw. They sexually feed each other strawberries and something to do with uh, Deborah uh, trying to get their attention during this. I don't know. Uh, Taz versus Val Venus in a lumberjack match for some reason. Taz and the APA have a match with the right to censor at WrestleMania. So, of course, this breaks out into a schmoz. There is a Steven kick. The money shot is blocked. Taz hits a Northern Light suplex on Val Venus and wins. And then McMahon sees World Warrior Animal on his screen on Nitro. May he rest in peace. And... Regal and Vince McMahon are sitting down and having a chat along with Trish and then they sexually feed each other fruit some more. We have an XFL ad in which the extreme clinched the West. What's going to happen next? William Regal comes to the ring. He cuts a promo and he challenges one of the Holly cousins to a match. During this whole deal, Doink the Clown is seen in, in the crowd just being doink and sending balloons and streamers and stuff. And then Crash Holly seems to get ready for a match with Regal here. Or should I mention light heavyweight champion Crash Holly, who recently defeated Dean Malenko on, sadly, an episode of Heat. I didn't get to cover it on the show. It was my boy Crash. I mean, I you know I love me some Crash Holly. But instead, Regal bops Crash and then bops Molly... Locks Molly into the STF, does the regal cutter on her, but doink, brah? You making kids cry, brah? Shout out if you get that reference. And he uh, comes in, knocks down William Regal, is like, oh, doink, the clown's getting involved here. Then you see the face crusher. Then you see the walls of Jericho. And oh, yeah, it's uh, Chris the Clown. And Vince McMahon sees Dustin Rhodes on screen and starts to bash Goldust and reference the time that he allegedly wanted to get breast implants as part of a gimmick or part of some heat or something. I don't know. Uh, Regal puts Jericho in a non-title match with the hardcore champion, The Big Show. Or is Big Show not the... Never mind, Big Show already lost the hardcore title <laughs> to Raven. Last week on the show, I have the memory of a goldfish. Uh, Kurt Angle meets Rhino for the first time, so it's Team Eck versus the Hardy Boys and Chris Benoit, and says something along the lines of, I wasn't tapping, and, and Rhino is just like, I'll bleed for you, Kurt. <laughs> it's like, wow, uh, I'm not sure about the uh, intelligence or the integrity, but uh, he's got the intensity. At least he's got one of the three eyes. And then uh, Paul Heyman is putting over Kurt Angle here. Not in high school, not in college, not in the Olympics, not in the WWE. Kurt Angle won't tap, but he did. We get the historic My Way, the Rock the Rock promo here. The Rock in Austin. I need to beat you, Rock. Vince McMahon buys WCW. And he's going to ask, uh, you know, who wants to come over to the Fed. But first he asks Lillian to redo the intro. 
you jerk. Uh, I only had Lillian do my intro once. Uh, no, that's a lie, because my Lillian Garcia intro you hear is actually from my birthday cameo last year. Thanks, Nate. So, he's like, wanting to get Ted Turner at WrestleMania to come and sign the contract. Ted wasn't gonna do... to... no. It's like, and I want him there to watch what I do to my son Shane at WrestleMania. And he, you gotta squeeze the life out of your competition! And I was expecting here the, the then when I get my competition, I'll, I'll give it a lethal dose of poison. But we're, we're a year off from that, unfortunately. And I was like, who should be part of the new WCW? I'll give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan. Boo. Okay. Buff Bagwell. Mixed reaction. Uh, Scott Steiner. Huge pop. Lex Luger. Boo. Booker T. Huge pop. And then finally, throughout this whole thing, they're waiting for him to say Goldberg's name because you hear the Goldberg. You know, back when we used to love Bill. And they're like, okay, uh, Goldberg. Big pop. Sting. Big pop. Uh, Funny thing here. All of these guys, minus Lex Luger, got to appear for the WWE following or during the invasion. And then we see, I mean, we hear, no chance. Hey, cut my music. I'm not done yet. But it's Shane McMahon walking to the ring in Panama City Beach. Oh, hi, Dad. Uh, Yeah, so the contract does say McMahon. So we see the delayed gulp that ever famous Shane and Vince dual screen McMahon with a big bug eye gulp look in his face. The contract does say McMahon, but it says Shane McMahon. And eventually backstage, you know, Vince McMahon's on the phone with the attorneys, uh, just given out the Hardys and Benoit versus team Eck in a great Great six-person tag team match. These are, these were some elite talents at the time. Hydrate yourself, kids, especially if you're going to podcast and impersonate Vince McMahon and scratch your throat. And in this match, Benoit makes Christian tap. So we're still seeing the, the tension here between him and Kurt Angle. And oh man, we're we're getting the feud. Uh, just a sideberg, I actually have the 2001 pay-per-views, some of which I actually have on VHS and DVD. Other, in, in other terms, I have some in completely legal versions of them on my computer. So you'll be getting my retro pay-per-view reviews if my backup plans and if my network stuff falls through. Which I hope it doesn't, because I love watching these old bras. Uh, post-match, there's a gore on Matt Hardy, and Lita also eats a gore. Uh, Spike Dudley had been injured previously, so we're seeing this here. Brothers of Destruction interview. Your typical American badass taker. It's like, you know, oh, this busting me open didn't make me angry. It made me hungry. And uh, these big soup bones are going to get a hold of Triple H, blah, blah, blah. Test versus X-Pac in a non-title match here. Test, the European champion, of course, with a special guest referee, 
of Eddie Guerrero for no reason. And then Paul Heyman. <clears throat> okay, let me try this. Monday Night Raw. I can't do Paul Heyman. Is brought to you by Foot Locker, Uncle Ben's Rice Bowls, and Burger King. And, you know, you're dealing with the X Factor with uh, no Uncle Cracker yet. That'll be coming up around Backlash. Of course, uh, we see Test and Xbox, former... Have they been former foes? No, I'm thinking of Test and Shane McMahon. But yeah, here, they, they wrestled each other a bunch because they were the corporation and the union. But DX and the union, whatever. I am I don't know what I'm talking about here. And then you hear Latino Heat, Eddie coming out with the ref shirt. And of course, he screws over uh, Test, you know, not counting or counting slower, counting fast on Xbox. And basically right in front of the referee, Eddie, uh, Albert comes in and hits the Balbo bomb on test and TNA explode. Insert WrestleMania 5 jazz music here. Mick Foley makes a surprise return to the WWE, comes out with his new book, Foley is Good, uh, plugs that, and then is uh, talking to Vince McMahon about something. You know, like, I fired you. It's like, oh, hey, Vince. Something to do referencing the uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. I think I can. Mick Foley is such a dork and I love him for it. In June 2000, you left the WWE to be a, uh, what did you call it? A, a genetic jackhammer. And yeah, you clearly didn't succeed in that. And me and as commissioner, you, f you fired me. But Linda and I made a deal because, you know, he kind of knew something was coming in December. So he's like, oh yeah, at WrestleMania, I can referee any match. And this, of course, this deal was made before he got fired. And uh, Pikachu, I choose you. So we see Mick Foley is the special guest referee in the McMahon versus McMahon match, much to the chagrin of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. WWF New York, I'm not booked tonight. The Dudley Boys. Uh, Spike is is hurt, but he'll be okay. At TLC, we will bring this match to a new level. EC Dub chance. And now we see Jericho explode several years before they'd even start tagging. Chris Jericho and the Big Show. This ends up being a gigantic schmoz, a vehicle for WrestleMania X7 matches. Raven, Kane, and William Regal all got involved in this match in their own way. William Regal gets a chair shot in and costs Jericho the match. Rock and Austin are backstage. Basically, don't uh, don't mess with each other here. The Chef Boyardee Hardy Boys commercial, if you've ever seen that. It's something to do with them snowboarding. And then it's like, yeah, Chef Boyardee, mm, beefy. That crap will be cold as ice. By the time they get all the takes and they eat that. Nothing worse than cold pasta. No. Uh-uh. It's worse than cold pizza. But here we go. Brothers of Destruction versus Rockin' Austin. The tension for WrestleMania X7. I need to beat you, Rock. Which I think the interview itself wasn't until SmackDown that week. But that set to my way by Limp Bizkit. Man. We're in for a treat. This is just a big schmoz main event here. Triple H hits a chair on The Undertaker. 
Stone Cold Steve Austin pins. And then following the match, The Rock presses A and B and No Mercy and hits the stunner on Stone Cold while Stone Cold was trying to enjoy a beer. So that has been it for this this actual edition of Fretzelmania. The bonus section of the show, which is the wrestling portion of the 20 Bell Salute with WrestleMania X7, will immediately follow this. So stay tuned for that now, peeps. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you next week when I cover the night after WrestleMania X7 and hopefully the Raws beyond that. But I'm actually going to watch a few of them just in case. Cheers. And welcome back, everybody. This section of the 20 Bell Salute is also going to be heard on the Fretzelmania podcast on February 27th. Enjoy. Wrestlemania X7. We're finally here. This show, historically, for many fans, is their favorite pay-per-view, their favorite Wrestlemania of all time. And I fall under that category. I know it's really standard to have a wrestling fan in his late 30s have X7 as their favorite of all time. WCW was done, was over, was bought by Vince McMahon literally the week before this and Coincidentally, the Fretzelmania podcast on this episode is also featuring the Simulcast Raw, a pay-per-view that Nate and I also reviewed in the past. Shout out to Nate. And yeah, it's it's just the best. I can't describe it. Like many would say that this was the end of the Attitude Era. I disagree with that wave of thinking. I think the Attitude Era ended in 2002 when the WWF became WWE, because just weeks after that was the Ruthless Aggression promo. Now, I'm gonna talk a bit here about WCW Greed and WrestleMania X7. My goodness, this is the use of Limp Biscuit my way that you're hearing in the background now. That's in that I need to beat you, Rock. Promo. Epic. So, so damn good. I, I'm just going to get into it now. Now, I didn't get to watch the entire show leading up to uh, this moment that I'm recording, but I've seen X7 so many times that I can probably dictate it from memory. But I do have notes from the time that Nate and I reviewed the show. I think it was before... before him and I both joined Russell Addict Radio, so it might have been back in uh, in the Spreaker days. Uh, so, WCW Greed. Did I say sin earlier? Yeah, it's Greed. Is the final pay-per-view in the history of the WCW that took place on March 18th, 2001 from the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Jacksonville, Florida in front of a paltry 5,030 fans. And we had several matches here that had connotations on the simulcast uh, Nitro Raw the week after this. 
Jason Jett defeated Kiwi in the opening match. Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo defeated the Filthy Animals, Kidman and Mysterio, for the inaugural Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship. And holy crap, you crown a new title the next week, your company's done. That is just such terrible luck because I think at this time, Eric Bischoff was hoping for that Fusion Media deal to come through because the Turner AOL merger, that's basically what killed WCW. A lot of people blame bad booking and Russo and and Ferrara. Yeah, they lost a lot of money in 2000 and they were purchased for chump change, at least in the eyes of of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, but if that media deal went through and we got that WCW Big Bang that was kind of alluded to around this time, because we all knew that when the Turner AOL merger happened that, you know, wrestling on Turner was done, you know, at least until, was it 2019 when Dynamite debuted 20, somewhere in there, but yeah. Sean Stasiak defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. That was actually a match that happened. Sean cuts a promo, uh, kissing Stacy, throwing photos of himself in the crowd. Bigelow comes to confront him, and you know Sean delivers a top rope crossbody on Bigelow. Bigelow would later execute the diving headbutt that he used to do. Stacy distracts the referee while giving Sean some hairspray to blind Bigelow, leading to a neckbreaker. Yawn. Team Canada, which should be Team North America, because it's Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. One of those guys is Canadian, if I could be serious for a minute. Going up against Hugh Morris and Conan, and of course, as always, Lance Storm asks for the Canadian National Anthem to be played, but that doesn't happen. How rude. Morris rushes to the ring and brawls for them to start. Mike Awesome hits the Awesome Bomb, and that wins the match. Totally buffed. Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger challenge the natural-born thrillers, which are represented by Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo, for their tag team championship. And this match ends in less than a minute. Buff The, the Buff boys come out and cut a promo saying that they're prepared to beat their opponents, but after a brief stare-down, O'Hare and Palumbo rush to the ring. Super kick, swanton bomb, it's over. And, and a big lad, a big beefy lad like Sean O'Hare, may he rest in peace, doing a swanton bomb was nothing short of amazing. Just good good stuff there, pal. Uh, in, here, in between there, Shane Helms defeats Chavo Guerrero to win the Cruiserweight Championship. This, of course, is when... Shane Helms, the Hurricane, broke away from three counts and became his own man. At using his finisher, the Vertebreaker, a.k.a. if you're a fan of Homicide from the OG LAX, the Cop Killer, a very, very dangerous move. I do not recommend anyone even attempt on their little brother's couch or bed or whatever. No. Ernest the Cat Miller defeats Canyon Another another guy gone too soon. Hit him and and Mike Awesome. All the all these young lads that passed away so early. Uh, God rest their souls. Booker T defeats Rick Steiner to win the United States Championship after 
Shane Douglas, the franchise, would hit Rick with a cast. Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes, uh, the the road, the father and son here, going up against Rick Flair and Jeff Jarrett in a tag team match. Dustin and Dusty, they they get the win, baby. Uh, man, the uh, epic moment here, kind of a callback to the 1991 Royal Rumble, where Dustin and Dusty would go up against Ted DiBiase and Virgil, and that match would actually be the catalyst for Virgil's face turn finally going against and turning away from Ted DiBiase, smashing him with the Million Dollar Championship. And uh, Jeff Jarrett here was fired by Vince McMahon on Raw, as we know on the simulcast Raw. You're going to hear about... uh, Hear about that probably before or after this segment. It just depends on which order I put this in because I am recording this on Saturday the 20th, uh, the night after Double Vision by Limitless Wrestling, which you will get a little bit of review of, unless you've already heard it. I don't know what order I'm putting this in. And the main event, Scott Steiner retains the WCW title in a false count anywhere match against DDP. Yawn. Yeah, uh, for the last, the last show of WCW, that's just, that's just not good. I mean, the simulcast Nitro at least had a couple of good matches on it, but they were speeding through the show because they were getting to the whole, uh, McMahon thing. So, Snickers Cruncher presents WrestleMania X7. Hungry? Crunch this! In the pre-show a.k.a. Sunday Night Heat. X-Factor. Yo, you're dealing with the X-Factor, except without the Uncle Cracker theme, would defeat Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman in quite the strange Bedfellows tag team here. Scotty Too Hotty was injured on an episode of Raw by Kurt Angle, thanks to the ankle walk and the horrible visual of Scotty's foot being turned uh, way way too far past a uh, human possibility it was probably a trick with the boot so yes the opening package here had all these people watching wrestlemania in places where i didn't know tvs were like you had a farmer in a field and uh, a random storefront that would yeah i had a uh, a store in my hometown which is still operating today actually my hometown of Cannington, Ontario, Canada. Uh, if you're a sports fan, a particularly a Philadelphia Flyers fan, it is the home of Rick McLeish, who was a Flyer during the Broad Street Bully days of the 70s with, you know, Barbie, Bobby Clark and Bernie Parent. We just named our arena after him down there. I don't live in Cannington anymore, but the our uh, electronics store, Campbell's Appliances, they, you know, they sell TVs, they sell stoves and uh, fridges and all that stuff. So, in the day, I don't think they do this anymore, they always had a TV going in uh, the storefront window. So if you're out for a nice leisurely stroll, chances are you'll see the news or you'll see the hockey game. Like, I'm walking home, doot do doot do doot oh crap, the Leafs game is on, I better get home, except I'd already be home watching them 
Yeah, so that, that was just a bit of a throwback there. And yeah, I mean, just hearing Limp Biscuits My Way, which you heard at the beginning of the show, because why not? Just takes me back to a certain time. I had chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water. I think I might have gotten it for Christmas the year previous, or I got it for my birthday, or I might have been working for my uncle by that by this time, or I bought it with my own money. Yeah, Limp Biscuit is cringe to look back on, but I'm like, hey, we were young once. We were into some cringy crap once, but man, Limp Biscuit. I mean, it had Roland. How can you hate Roland? It had my generation. It had my way. Yeah, their album that followed this, uh, Results May Vary, was not good. It also had the theme song for WrestleMania 19, which, Lord willing, I'll get to in a couple of years, as long as the network in Canada gets their crap sorted out. Yeah, I navigated through Peacock. That was a nightmare. You'll probably hear about it later another time. Holy crap. Opening contest for the Intercontinental title is champion Chris Jericho defending against the commissioner of the WWE and Goodwill Ambassador William Regal. We see a little bit of a throwback to the situations leading up to this. Actually, the night William Regal debuted, which was, what, September, August 2000, he came out having a nice little tea party and Chris Jericho came out and told him to shut the hell up and did the whole waiter uh, table tabletop napkin trick, but instead he just threw all the, the tea party stuff away. That's kind of rude. We saw the the peeing in the tea, which was on the, the simulcast Raw. Uh, you know, this match is brought to you by the latter T. And... We see and hear all these British words like besmirch and toe rag. Shout out to Jermaine and Martin for, for those ones. And there's a spot here where Chris Jericho, dressed as doink bra, making kids cry bra, um, tricking William Regal in a supposed match that he was going to have with the Ray Apollo version of doink or possibly the Brooklyn Brawler version of doing because matt bourne didn't want anything to do with the wwe at this point unless i think he may have been dead by now and wrestlemania is jericho when we see william regal's just amazing facials and in a full circle moment here regal will be challenging for the intercontinental title at this wrestlemania and at wrestlemania 18 the following year in my not hometown, but close enough to my hometown, Toronto, Ontario. William Regal would be defending the title. So Nate, full circle, take a shot. Nothing but chops. Regal is working the shoulder here because that would definitely prevent proper application of the walls of Jericho. Psychology always works in wrestling. William Regal getting all the heat, except for a smattering of tears he's getting from from all of his fellow countrymen in the crowd. There's a regal plex, that awesome, like, half-and-half half suplex he does. Just, mwah, chef's kiss. A lion salt, and the knees are up. And, yeah, and, and, and the rest of this here, the, the exposed turnbuckle, a shoulder is thrown into that. And the walls of Jericho 
you know, it can't happen. Regal tries the STF, but there's another lion salt here, and Jericho gets the win. The next match is APA and Taz versus the right to censor. And JBL here, old Bradshaw cuts a Texas, Texas promo about, you know, Big Blue, uh, like a historic bull in the Dallas Sportatorium that used to knock out the Cowboys. This is the home of blah, 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 Texas sports, Texas, 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 blah. Oh, and the other Texan in this match being Jacqueline, the manager of the APA during this time. And we hear, hear those awesome sirens, the right to censor. I've been following the right to censor in this timeline here, as you've heard throughout their inception all the way until now. And man, um, they have a lot of good points here. Of course, it's a thinly veiled slash incredibly obvious parody of the PTC, but they're, they're nailing it here. Absolutely nailing it. It's Taz! A good but a good year and change after his debut at Royal Rumble 2000. And holy crap, how the mighty have fallen. Yes, WrestleMania 2000, a year previous to this, Taz would of course be a staple in the hardcore 15-minute Battle Royal Challenge. He beat Kurt Angle at Royal Rumble 2000 and then didn't do a lot through the rest of the year except get hurt turn heel and then get smashed in the head with the candy jar, have a tag team with Raven. Man, it, I don't know if they did Taz dirty or if Taz just wanted to have the twilight of his career in a big company and get a proper paycheck to take care of his family. You know, Hook was probably born around this time. So, yeah, this is a quick squash match here where, you know, Claws Land from Hell would get the win and not long after this i think at least two weeks after this show rtc would be dead i've actually already watched the monday night raw following x7 which is going to be wrestlemania weekend well mostly because i'm concerned about whether the network's going to work for me up here or not but i have backup plans i've probably had a rant about it on fretzelmania which i will be recording the rest of on a different day raven big show and kane for the hardcore championship this is one of my guilty pleasure matches but also unironically one of my favorite matches ever just because it's so freaking silly like the hardcore division is is ridiculous like uh, cultaholic they have a podcast segment called desert island graps in which you would pick three wrestling matches and, of course, you know, like other stuff that you would have to take on a desert island. This would be one of them. I'm not kidding. Like, I literally watched it last night for probably the 52nd time. It's so entertaining. It's just stupid. But wrestling is supposed to be bollocks. It's supposed to be silly. We gotta stop taking it so seriously few times where it's acceptable to, but come on. For the most part, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, Raven, of course, I reference this every time, but he's coming up with Bubbles' shopping cart from Sunnyvale Trailer Park. And Big Show, uh, no, yeah, Big Show is a little bit late getting to the ring here. Uh, 
Kane and Raven just get started right away, and the Big Show is going to go for a final cut on the outside, but Kane with a flying lariat off the top rope to the outside, and we're brawling right to the back, and there is a, like, you know, oh, Big Show, he hits with a his 22-5E boot. Um, I'm a 9.51E boot. That is ridiculous, and they go right through this little makeshift door, and uh, Big Show grabs Kane by the throat to do a chokeslam right here on the floor. Uh, and he gets goozled himself. <laughs> and they get through like paper thin, like I- I'm talking like a a cracker thin uh, drywall here. A uh, whole bunch of spots. Raven gets, you know, noosed with a garden hose and thrown right through a window and just Paul Heyman going like oh my god just moments here and (laughs) and right after this it breaks out into a game of Mario Kart here (laughs) a big show gets into a uh Golf no big show starts walking away and then uh, Raven gets in a shopping cart almost knocks out a cable that would have killed the entire show I'm sure Vince McMahon chewed his ass out after that um and Kane that's gotta be Kane gets in the shopping cart with Jimmy Corderas in the back and they go on a little chase down this hallway and you can hear. A random, like a random schmuck in the background going like, yeah, Kane, fuck him up. And he runs over, he hard runs over Raven, just smacks him right in the thigh with a freaking golf cart. That would, that that would kind of hurt. And they wind up on the stage. Uh, they take out a whole thing of iced tea, and JR's like, Ah, oh, no, not the Schnapple. It was Peach. Something like that. They end up on the stage. Big Show presses Raven over his head. Kane hits the big boot. They both fall through this little... This stage thing. It looks like a, a hollowed-out swimming pool. And Kane dives off the top of the stage with a elbow drop or a leg drop or something onto the show. And he wins the hardcore title. I've been watching like the lead up to this match. It was just so silly and so stupid. But I loved it. And next month at Backlash, we get an even better hardcore championship match between Rhino and Raven. Which, <laughs> that might be my second Desert Island grab. But then again, you know, Gargano and Champa is one that'd be up there. I might have to do... A version of that. Tom Campbell, I hope you don't mind if I steal your gimmick if I end up doing it. There's a backstage bit with uh, Team Eck, Er, Edge, Christian, and Kurt. Uh, and Kurt is watching the segment on Raw when they're like, hey, I don't have a match at Mania. Ben Wall is like, hey, neither do I. Let's fight. Knocks him the crossface and taps, but it's not an official match. And it's like, hey, if I didn't tap in an official match, did it actually happen? Oh, and it happened backstage right after that, and Kurt Angle tapped again. It's like, did I tap? Kurt is a bear shit in the woods. Yes, you tapped. It wasn't an official match, but still. WWF New York, and I'm not booked tonight, and oh, murder alert, it's Jimmy Murderfly Snooka. The lesser said about him, the better. What a piece of crap. 
And then we see this random schmuck in the crowd being like, you know, I came all the way from Brisbane, Australia. It's the furthest distance from Mania, 19 hours in the flight. And what's something you want to say to your people back home? Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Anyways, European title, Eddie Guerrero versus Test. Perry Saturn, what the hell are you wearing? What is that big, furry, douchey, puffy hat? Yeah, these were all the rage in 2000, but that was just more outrageous than the circumference of Christian's shades by this point. And Dean Malenko, who doesn't come out with the Radicals, comes out later in this match and actually helps uh, cost test the title, he comes out like he's just on on holiday, like he's at the beach, he's wearing a nice button-up shirt, and he's just hanging out at the beach. It's a look I'm familiar with because I live on one. And this match is, holy lord, I mean, you get Test in there with the right person, he's good, like, stuff, cultaholic classic SmackDown review, I'm not going any further than that, but Test hits a wicked tilt-a-whirl powerbomb during this thing, just vicious, and Eddie Guerrero is just flopping around like Dolph Ziggler in this match, selling his ass off for Test, and it's just so heartbreaking that both of these guys are are now passed away, and they they put on a, you know, this is a dark horse. This is a good match. I mean, that's a, you know, that powerbomb there, that just echoed uh, Michael Elgin, you know, as unpopular as his name is today, but here we go. And there's like a title shot and in the face, and Eddie wins the European title. Ole Vato, the champion of Europe. I, I think he's been the European... Yeah, he was European champion following WrestleMania 2000. So it's nice to see him here back in the division. A little bit of early light cheat and steal here. Oh boy, here's another good one. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. This was the beginning of their historic awesome feud that they're getting into in in the year 2001 and kurt is cutting a promo on the texas crowd it's like you know lose the cowboy hats you're not eight years old anymore you're a bunch of hee-haws and whew, this feud i mean they had another great great match at war rumble 2003 which in my mind is no it's their second best match because their best match is coming up at backlash ultimate submission iron man match get in there's a lot of shooting here there's a lot of hard way wrestling benoit was the kind of guy that would expect you to bring it in the ring and he would return it back tenfold don't believe me watch the spot in the royal rumble 06 where him no 05 because it was when eddie was alive uh, in 05 when him eddie hardcore holly just decimated that daniel pewter kid after winning tough enough and then being a cocky piece of crap and basically getting initiated in the middle of the ring. And we never saw him again after that. So, and these are two guys who you never want to mess with. Like there's a story, uh, a historical story back in the day about Vince McMahon always wanting to take down Kurt Angle. Like they're in the middle of a flight for Pete's sake. And Vince is just like hiding behind the curtain, like the stewardess's curtain, like a 
like a freaking bad villain. He tries to get a, a he tries to get an angle down, but you know, Taker's just there to no Vince, just to, to take him out of it here. A crossface uh, is noped here. A lot of technical spots here. A lot of reversals. Kurt Angle manages to reverse another counter into a counter into a counter. This time into a schoolboy holding the ro the tights. And here we go. Moonsault is missed. A headbutt is connected or missed here. Holy crap. Women's title match. Ivory versus China. Uh, China finally gets her comeuppance and wins in about two and a half minutes following a powerbomb and a gorilla press slam and a nonchalant cover. Ivory finally gets what's coming to her after months of the verbal abuse and the berating and the spike pile driver that quote-unquote paralyzed China. Yikes. Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon. Special guest referee, which was named on Simulcast Raw, Mick Foley. And I'm skipping a lot of the backstage bits and bops here because this is what I wrote down. And, you know, Nate used to take care of the backstage bits. But... Yeah, th these are just my old notes I wanted to use for this show because I don't know how much time I'm going to have next week. <laughs> Work. So, throughout this whole thing, we saw the I now own WCW bit. No Chance plays twice, so you don't really know who to cheer for unless you're paying attention to the Titantron and who is coming to the ring. Yeah, Shane was about to get the Here Comes the Money theme, but it was not quite yet this is a long and historic and spot fest match with moment after moment after moment and each of those monumental moments are vince mcmahon finally getting his comeuppance and finally getting what's been coming to him for months at this point in time uh, following through the timeline here you know vince he gets his wife in a medicated almost vegetative state uh, confined to a wheelchair doped up and medicated actually it was both her and stephanie that orchestrated this and yikes and he had that affair with trish stratus uh made trish bark like a dog in the middle of the ring uh then trish went back with vince why and then Vince would challenge, no, Shane would challenge Vince. But throughout this whole ordeal, Shane McMahon came back and just made a beeline to his dad and just started beating him down. In the midst of this, WCW went under and IRL, Vince McMahon buys WCW, but then Shane flies down to Panama City Beach during the simulcast during Nitro and seeing a McMahon on Nitro I mean yeah Medusa comes on Nitro and bends the WWE Women title okay that's huge Scott Hall Kevin Nash they come out and they say we're taking over that's huge they sign Hulk Hogan they sign just about every other ex-WWE star, Bret Hart, although you know, they wasted Bret Hart, uh, it was all huge. Nothing was as big as a McMahon coming out on the competition. And then Shane McMahon's like, yeah, the contract does say McMahon, but it's Shane. I own WCW. And in this match, 
Trish turns on Vince, slaps him silly. Steph takes exception and starts brawling with Trish. Commissioner McFoley, ever so being the gentleman, tries to break up the cat fight, as Joey, uh, Joey Styles would say. And we get slapped by right in the face by Steph. And Nick here, being the gent, just... <sighs> okay, get out. And, you know, Steph would not comply. And eventually they would they would brawl to the back. Uh, Vince McMahon would abuse McFoley throughout this match here. And a whole lot of shenanigans happened. A ref... A ref goes down, and then finally Vince sees his wife and just mutters ever so quietly into the camera, You bitch! And then, you know, says it again, and then brings her out of the wheelchair, sits her down in a steel chair in the corner, Linda ever just being the stone-faced zombie that she is, even when she's cutting a promo on her own daughter, Anna McMahon, in every corner, or running for Congress. And then, finally, it's just like, you sit here and you watch me beat up your son, kind of thing here. And then he gets trash can, turns around her his attention to Shane. He gets trash can. Linda, Linda rises from her chair, walks to Vince, and then just pow, socks him, kicks him right in the grapefruits. Mick Foley comes to and just starts beating down on Vince. The crowd is losing their freaking mind. They popped huge for Linda rising from the chair because they knew that this story was being told. This culmination was just... Ugh. Oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good and then Shane lays Vince McMahon down in the corner gets the trash can out leans the trash can on Vince's head me being an ECW fan at this point in time because I was watching uh, ECW on TNN leading up to this I knew what was happening I knew we were about to see the freaking Van Terminator like one of Rob Van Dam's best moves he rarely ever brought that out i think he only hit it like a couple of times in wcw it was for like ultimate feud killers this was for this was reserved for like austin rock <laughs> at this point in time this is reserved for insert other feud here like i think he was feuding with uh scotty anton aka scott riggs shout out to scott cavaliero american males mark and yeah, it it was a feud killer. And Shane McMahon just started using that as an everyday move in his finisher. He still hits today. I think when they had the match with The Miz at WrestleMania, what was it, like two, three years ago, he, he hit the move on The Miz. Like, whew, holy crap. And we see the Van Terminator... And in this whole thing, we see the WCW stars are cheering for Shane. But I use stars kind of lightly because they had Stacey Keebler, above average Mike Sanders, which, why is your name, like, you're basically the the 60%. Instead of being, you know, like the 100%er or something like that, you're, 
you're just the 60 percenter you're you're a d minus player come on mike sanders seriously uh, i think like david flair was in there like Chavo, Hugh Morris, maybe Booker T, but we didn't have any of those big Turner contracts. Uh, I don't know why, but here we go. This is the best comeuppance of all time. Shane McMahon wins, and we're off to the races here. And just when you think the hits wouldn't keep on coming, TLC2, tables, tables and ladders and chairs, oh my Oh gosh, yes. Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the tag team champions, the Dudley Boys. And we see, and here, I mean, the new version of the Dudley Boys entrance theme by Saliva. The the Get the Tables theme. Uh, yeah, get in. Christian, just wearing his douchey shades. I love it. Uh, and right off the bat, here is spot after spot after spot. The Event Omega by the Hardys, like the the consecutive splash and leg drop from Dueling Ladders here. We see the Was Up, which, I mean, come on. Was Up commercial was in 1999. Maybe we can get past this. But if the Dudley Boys wrestled a match today, they would still hit the Was Up. And then, you know, old folks like me would be like, yeah! My, my goodness. And then, Devon, what? Get the tables. And we see a powerbomb on Jeff through Edge, through a table, and that had to break something. That looked bad. Then, the quadruple table is set up. Murphy's Law, whoever sets up the Tower of Doom, must go through the Tower of Doom. And yes, they're all on the ladder. They all crash and burn. And in the first surprise of the night, the runt of the Dudley litter, Spike Dudley comes out, hits Christian with an acid drop, the Dudley dog, through a table on the outside. And then right after that, Rhino with a gore, gore, in the corner, through a table, just easy dub chance right here as he hit it on Spike. And a yeah, great foreshadowing commentary here is uh, a bit of phrasing. Lita jerks edge off the ladder. Uh, hey, phrasing, as as Archer would say. Are, are we not doing phrasing anymore? Is, is, is that still a thing? Man, what continuity here. Uh, there is a chair to the face of Spike Dudley by Lita. A stiff, gross, unprotected chair shot to Spike's head. She takes off her top, uh, you know, only exposing her bra. Like, tits. It's a 3D, a big ladder that Jeff hits because, of course, every Hardy Boys match or Jeff Hardy match has to have the comically tall ladder. There's a spot here which allegedly was supposed to have the finish of the match where Jeff Hardy would tightrope walk across a few consecutive ladders to the title. But I think either they called him audible in that match or he tried it and it wouldn't work or something. So, ah, uh, yeah, no. Bubba hits a, just goes through a huge fall here. And then, my goodness, Devon and Jeff are both hanging from the belts. Devon goes down. 
Jeff is dangling, and this is the historic moment where Edge, with a 20-foot ladder, with a spear, as God is my witness, he is broken in half. One of the biggest moments in TLC ladder match WrestleMania history still gets played to this day. Like Edge is about to have a match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Please don't add Daniel Bryan to it to make it a triple threat. As much as I love Daniel Bryan, it doesn't need to happen. Give him um, another match. Give him a match with, uh, I don't know, Seth Rollins and Cesaro having one. Just, just give him something else. Maybe a match against, I don't know, like Kane or Murphy or something. Yeah, the Team Hell No breakup again. Who? Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, and in that little spot there, Edge gave himself a stiff DDT. Dead. Just dead. And then Edge and Christian win lol because Rhino puts Christian on his shoulders. They go up the ladder and <laughs> the crowd is pissed. And uh, yeah, here we go. The gimmick battle royal is next. The hits keep on coming. And the commentary here. Mean Gene Okerlund and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh man, just I want to cry. God rest them. And they call Bobby Heenan the Johnny Carson of wrestling, which that is a very apt thing here. And in this match is just various silly bollock gimmicks from the history of wrestling. Uh, most of which actually performed at WrestleMania's past. We have the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Uh, Iron Sheik, baby. She can make you humble. And it was funny here. Uh, Heenan said, by the time Sheik gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. Well, we're WrestleMania 37, and I can see him just almost making it. He'll he'll be here soon. Gosh, I hope that Sheiky's still alive at WrestleMania 38 for that joke to be complete. Uh, Earthquake, the goon, you know, a gimmick that was allegedly supposed to be reserved for Chris Jericho. But instead, while Bill Irwin would come out in New Jersey Devils colors, because the New Jersey Devils were like the kings of the NHL at this point, having already won two Stanley Cups... And making it to the Stanley Cup Finals a bunch of other times. Losing to the likes of Colorado Avalanche, which was actually the 2001 Final. Doink Bra, this time played by Ray Apollo. Kamala, accompanied by Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi, his handler, played by the Brooklyn Brawler. Repo Man, a.k.a. Devolition Smash, Barry Darso. And there was a spot here. Oh, yeah. yeah. He repossessed your mom five years ago. Yeah, five, four years ago. Everyone had, had your mother-in-law. Jim Cornette, as unpopular as his name is, uh, a very important historical figure in wrestling here. Waved hi, mom, to the camera. Nikolai Volkov came out to the ring to the Finnish national anthem for, for some reason. Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, gets a huge pop. Freebird P.S. Michael Hayes to the classic Bad Street theme. Got one of the biggest pops of the match. The One Man Gang, a.k.a. Akeem the African... Oh, boy. Yeah, let's just uh, brush past that. The Gobbledygooker, played by Hector Guerrero. Tugboat, a.k.a. Typhoon and the Shockmaster. You know, this is a bit of a natural disasters reunion, and I think that Typhoon was supposed to have 
a spot in this match because you can kind of see a black tank top underneath the candy stripe shirt of Typhoon. So maybe you were going to see the natural disasters. Hillbilly Jim. You know, I may not like country that much, except for a few things. But don't go messing with the country boys. Is is classic. It's a banger. Then we hear, I love you. Ah, oh, Bruce Pritchard. Ah, oh, well, you know. And Sergeant Slaughter. And then everybody out of the pool. Iron Sheik wins because he couldn't take a bump. He could barely walk or get in the ring at this point in time. But Iron Sheik is still the king of Twitter. I don't care what y'all say. Sheiky baby. He make everybody on the Twitter humble. And then a bunch of expletive things that I'm not going to say out loud and to send the fans home happy for a big cheat pop here sergeant slaughter locks in the cobra clutch i've been locked in sergeant's cobra clutch when i met him at comic con he's just like do you know what what today is i just say rusev day no maggot it's cobra clutch day so he grabs me puts me in it like take take my phone take take some pictures so, uh, yeah, if you've seen any pictures of me getting locked in the Cobra Clutch, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter was a great man. I, I talked, I even said, I even liked your heel run when you were a freaking Iraqi sympathizer. That was some good shit. <laughs> Triple H versus The Undertaker, and we have Motorhead performing live. And Lemmy, Lemmy Motorhead, and we're gonna kick your ass. And then he proceeds to forget the words to the game, because it's a... It's a song they don't play in concert. This is a song that Lemmy, rest in peace. Like, man, there's so many dead people on this show. It's depressing. Yeah, he made this song specifically for Triple H. And then he did the same for Evolution and The King of Kings. And yeah, just right here. And then it's referenced that The Undertaker is 8-0 at WrestleMania. Taker goes for Old School, which at this point in time, I think it was just called High School. Gets denied. Uh, Triple H breaks out the hammer. It's hammer time. A pedigree is denied. And just everyone is down forever. There's choke slams. Uh, is there no disqualification in this match? And eventually they go to a stage and there's a choke slam all the way to hell. This visual you see Triple H get choke slammed and then you don't see him. Although when the camera pans away from something else, it's like five feet. But it's a cool camera angle. There is a last ride. Boom. Bop with a hammer. Taker does a wicked blade job here. And then he actually hits the last ride eventually to win this match. Of course, Limp Biscuit all over the show. Roland being, per being not performed live, but as a part of Taker's entrance team at this point in time. Taker wins and is 9-0 at WrestleMania. Now, the main event. The culmination. Just one more fight. I need to beat you, Rock. More than anything in the world. Ah, uh, Austin. The Rock. My way. Anyone who's hearing this has seen this promo. If somehow you haven't seen the My Way Rock Austin promo, YouTube, or, or go to the network, if you can even navigate it. Friggin' Peacock, man. And this is my jam. 
This, <laughs> this album was the soundtrack to grade 11. You spill beer? That's a fight in my hometown. And then it's announced by, by the Fink here that this match will be no disqualifications. What? When did that happen? Glass shatters. Big pop because Texas, the bionic redneck Steve Austin is trying to get known as here, which is, of course, uh, embroidered on his vest. And this match is long. It is like 40 minutes, maybe 30, at least half an hour. And The Rock gets a little bit of heat here. And throughout this match, you're starting to see a bit of a shift in Austin's character. He is getting desperation here i mean the rock hits in hit hit, hit. sharpshooter at this point in time austin breaks out an old movie dusts off a little bit of wrestlemania 12 here and locks in the million dollar dream there's a lot of blood and throughout this long match that goes all over this uh the houston or uh alliance arena spec uh I forget what the name of this arena is. I think I call it the Sportatorium. I'm probably wrong. But eventually, near the end of this match, Vince McMahon walks to ringside like, What? What's Vince doing here? And then it gets to the point where he's clearly aiding Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Rock hits a Stone Cold Stunner. Stone Cold! Hits the Stone Cold Stunner. I think Rock, Stone Cold even did the Rock Bottom. At least three or four stunners. It didn't put away the Rock. The Rock kept fighting. Kicking out again and again. And then Stone Cold gets a chair. I think it might have been slid in by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon might have pulled out the referee during a Rock count. But it's clear that Vince McMahon is on the side of Stone Cold Steve Austin. 14 chair shots all over The Rock's body. Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the WWE title yet again. Finally. And after the match, he shares a beer in the ring with Vince McMahon and JR with like, he sold his soul to the devil himself by God stone cold. And the show ends just like that with a crowd more confused than anything. And that ending aside, this show, look, looking back on it, go, going back to watch bits and bobs of it now is unreal. It's still my favorite just because of nostalgia and like you know where I was at this point in time. You know, WrestleMania 17, I was about three weeks away from turning 17. So, yeah, this was a Dave's Basement pay-per-view. You know, my buddy Dave that I've referenced on these classic shows all the time. And this was actually... I think this might have been the last one that we watched in his basement, at least with our friend group. I did watch other ones in his house, but it wasn't with Dave. I mean, his dad was a wrestling fan, and, you know, his dad was 
a leader in my church, so I got to watch some of that stuff with him. Or he would watch some and leave and just, hey, just take the tape out when you leave and lock the door when you go home kind of thing. So, And it's for that reason, too, that I hold it in such high regard because it was the last time my friends and I got together and watched wrestling. I mean, some of us were were moving by this point in time. Some of us uh, were just were working and didn't really get together for things like that. I mean, you're 17. I mean, you want to get together and underage drink, <laughs> quite quite frankly. But we still had that common bond, you know, outside of wrestling. And yeah, that has been it for this edition of the 20 Bell Salute. I hope that this, uh, you enjoyed this, at least on the Fretzelmania side of things as well. This is what you're going to get on the 20 Bell Salute. I cover the pop culture and the wrestling. This is a very long review because it's a long show and I love it so much. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope this gives you an incentive to join Patreon. You know, if it doesn't, hey, still join our Patreon. You'll get other stuff that you'll enjoy. Five bucks a month, no tears. And you get an awesome chat with awesome, awesome people. TTFN, ta-ta for now.